always get excited when I get to share, but today's excitement is just a little bit different than usual, and so I thought I would share with you how. So oftentimes, I'm excited about what I know God had to say. Today, I feel more excited about what I believe God is going to do with what He has to say today. I feel like uh, God gave me a, a different message, He said, to change up what I was planning to do yesterday, and I feel like what we're going to talk about today, for somebody, and possibly more than just one somebody, it is exactly what God wants for you. There's going to be a harvest that is going to come because of what He wants to share with us today. So, I want to start by talking about my wife's car. So, my wife's car is a diesel, and it'll go for a long time. It has over 200,000 miles on it. We bought it used. But occasionally, I will get a picture from my wife by text, and my phone just says picture. You know, and I'm hoping it's a smiling selfie or something. Nope. I'll get a picture of the dash with, like, a light. How many of you dread the lights? And I think I have a picture of, can you put up the check engine light photo? Yeah. How many of you like that one? No. I, 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 to be honest, that's my favorite. Because with, with that car, check engine comes on when the proper interval of oil change has come up. So, like, nothing is wrong, per se. It's just, it's advising that it's time for maintenance. Now, there's another picture with some tape on the dash. Can you pull that one up? Anyone ever seen a dash like this, driven in somebody's car, and they've put, there's someone pointing fingers over here. We're seeing that, where they like, oh, I'm just going to put up, I'm sick of that light blaring at me, I'll put some tape over it. You know, it's like, oh, oh, I get it, it's the maintenance, oh, it's the ABS light, oh, it's the, you know, eh, whatever, who cares, I'll just pump the brakes. <laughs> when, when maintenance is required, especially when we don't sense the urgency, there's a temptation to just put the tape right over it and just be like, oh, you know what, I'm saved, I'm good. I know, I, I, don't, I don't need anything. It's, I'm, I'm not going to see a difference. It drives just fine. But, you know, when my wife sends that message, and we have, we have seen some, some weird ones. I saw one that was a quirk. It looked like an untwisted spring. Light came on one time. I'm like, what in the world is that? And I'm trying all kinds of different ways to Google it to try and figure out, you know, how is, are other people going to describe this spring until I could figure out what that was? But when the maintenance light comes on, I just tell her, honey, I'll bring it by the mechanic. He'll plug in his thing and he'll tell us, you know, is it so many thousand miles since the oil change? Is it time to check the transmission fluid? What maintenance is required? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul is talking and he says, I planted, 
Apollos watered, but God makes it grow. Now, as a missionary, as a pastor, we get excited about the harvest. How many of you guys can get excited about the harvest? We want that harvest of souls. But it's interesting that the Bible says, and, and then the other thing that's really easy to get excited about is planting seeds, sowing. I like to sow. I like to harvest. How many of you are with me? Planting seed, you know exactly what you're, you're doing. You know what this is going to do. A harvest, it's like, yeah, the fruit, it's there. But it's interesting that Paul talks about watering. He talks about watering. How many of you realize watering isn't quite as exciting as harvest? And it's also not as tangible as planting a seed. When I plant a seed, I know exactly what I'm planting, I know where I'm putting it, and then, then, okay, I just planted a seed. Watering, it's like, I don't know, did I need to water today? I mean, you know, I I bet I could have skipped. How many of you have automatic sprinklers? (laughs) I live in a house that has them for the first time ever, and we're going to move, and the next one doesn't have it. But I got spoiled because I didn't have to use it, and my grass was staying green. In fact, the problem I was having was my grass would overdo, and my neighbor would get a sloshy spot in his yard, and he'd be like coming over, knocking on the Can you turn down your sprinklers? Oh, sorry, sorry. How many of you know what a pivot is? Come on. Pivot. A pivot is one of those giant farm sprinklers. Have you ever seen one? We've got a picture of one. That is a pivot. Now, a pivot can water. Like, big time water. The average size of a pivot is 400 meters. So when that does a spin, that's an 800-meter circle. That is huge. Like, that's near a half mile across. Now, what I find so interesting about watering is that it really, it it makes a difference. It's like the maintenance on my car. I I can ignore it. When that little check engine light comes on, I can tell them, ah, just go. I'll check it tomorrow. I'll check it the next day because I know it's, you know, it's the oil. But if I don't check it tomorrow and I don't check it the next day and I just let it go, eventually... Parts start to wear out. The 400,000 miles that we're hoping to get out of that car are not going to happen. And how many of you have ever flown over the Midwest and looked down and seen those pivots from the air? Can you show me that picture? That is what it looks like. Each one of those circles is nearly a half mile around. And you can see how dead it is around, how brown it is, and then how rich and green it is everywhere that it has been watered. Our Christian walk 
is and requires what the Bible refers to as watering. I think of it as soaking. Matthew chapter 13 verse 18 says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Jesus gave the example. He said that there's a man, he goes out and he sows seed and it falls on different types of ground. And then the seeds grow up, but many of the plants die. And he says this, this is what it means. This is when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that's sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, so it grows up. They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they fall quickly away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it, and this one, <clears throat> this is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. What waters our faith is the word of God. What waters our faith is the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's, it's interesting to me, I've heard people talking about the Greek, and they say it's not just hearing, but continuing to hear. It'd be kind of like, you know, you remember the book, in, in, in first grade that says, Jack ran. Remember that? He ran. But what if it says, Jack runs? What's the difference? Jack ran is something he did. At least once. Jack runs is something that he continues to do. And see, that's the type of, of context that this verse is talking about. It says, faith comes from hearing. I think sometimes we look at our Christian life like a vaccine. Like one and done. You know what? I had chicken pox when I was a little kid. I'm good. I got the vaccine. I'm good. I accepted Jesus. I'm good. But the Bible describes the Christian walk as requiring maintenance, as requiring watering. He says faith comes by hearing, not having heard. Oh, those who heard, they had faith. That was it. One and done. They got the vaccine. They're not going to hell. Come get the vaccine for hell. And then off we go. See, God describes the Christian walk differently. He says it's going to require continued work. It's interesting that the Bible is clear. Faith 
isn't an on and off switch. And I, I still remember the day, the teaching. I can tell you, I can picture the guy. I can't quite picture his outfit, but I can picture the room we were in when I learned this reality. I had thought about having faith many different times. And to me, faith was more like an on or an off. Either you have it or you don't. And then I realized that in Scripture, the Bible talks that faith can be quantified. In Luke 17, verse 5, the disciples say to Jesus, increase our faith. In Matthew 17, 20, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus says, you can quantify how much faith a person has. And by the way, faith is powerful. It doesn't take a lot to do a lot. But it can be measured. Matthew 8.10 says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who follow him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. This was Jesus' response when a man came and said, hey, there's someone at my house who's sick. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come and pray for him. And the man said, don't worry about it. You don't need to go all the way there. I have seen the authority that you have. And it reminds me of the authority that I have as a leader in the army. And I say to someone, do something, they do it. You say to the, the sickness and to the disease to do something and it does it. So all I need from you is say the word and I know that my servant will be well. And Jesus looks and says, man, I have never seen such great faith. Faith can grow. So faith isn't like a vaccine. Faith is like exercise. Faith is something that with watering will grow. And I remember the day and I remember the place when I was sitting in class and the, the, the man who was teaching, he said, you can increase your faith in one area without increasing your faith in another. And I was listening. And he said, you know, there are some people who have read what the Bible says about protection. They have faith that God will protect them. They have faith that God will provide for them. But because of what they have been taught or heard or haven't heard, they don't have faith for healing. Now, <clears throat> I have a meme up here. How many of you guys work out? How many of you have ever seen Don't Skip Leg Day memes? All right. I want to show you this. See this fella? He's been working out up here, but my legs are bigger than his. So he, and the, 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 the title there is, every day is upper body day. This guy is going in there and he is working out his upper body, but he's ignoring his legs. And as Christians, some of us do that same thing. 
we get excited about one aspect of what God has promised us. We know it, we meditate on it, we think on it, and you know what happens? We grow in that faith. The Bible describes faith as a shield to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. How many of you realize he has different types of darts? Sometimes he's throwing attacks at our physical health. Sometimes he's throwing attacks at our finances. Sometimes he's throwing attacks at our emotional health. And what we need is faith to stand up against that. And some of us have giant faith shields in the area of finances and an itty bitty faith shield in some other area. And the Bible says we can grow in our faith. I want to give an example of how many of you know Pastor Dave Christian? He has been here like so long. But before that, he was a missionary in Mexico. And when my parents were down there, they came back up. He went back down and he bought a van. At the time, vans were not for sale in Mexico. So they weren't available down there. Any van that was there came from the U.S. And he was driving a van down in Mexico. It was a desirable vehicle since you couldn't actually even buy them at any of the dealerships down there. Someone stole his van. Just disappeared. Now, auto theft, a big thing down there. A lot of, of auto theft They crank them out, they'll take them apart, bring them to other cities, do whatever they've got to do. There's quite the underground business for autos. So Pastor Dave, who was a missionary at the time, he calls us up here at Res Life, and he says, so my car was stolen. Pray with me that it'll be returned. And my dad got the call, and he kind of chuckles and says, well, sure. Pray with you. And they pray, and Dave is down there. He's, he's got faith that this is going to come back. And, and a week goes by, and my dad talks to him again and says, You know, have you found it? He says, No. Nope. Well, if you need us to take up an offering to get you another vehicle. No, 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 no. Another week goes by. Another week goes by. I think it was three or four weeks. Now, they were in Guadalajara, a major city, And Aaron, another missionary friend of ours, was in Mexico City, hours away. So this would be like having your car stolen in Detroit and then being over in Chicago. Or farther. More like Minneapolis. And he's walking down the street and he sees a van that looks like Dave's. He's like, man, that looks a lot like Dave's. And then he sees the bumper sticker that Dave had. 
It's like, that is Dave's car. So he's like, I got to find a cop. And he starts running around looking for a policeman. He finds a taco stand on the street, and there is a table full of police officers. He runs up to them, tells them, listen, my buddy's car was stolen a month ago, five hours from here. I just found it around the corner. Are you sure? He's, I'm sure. So they get up, turn around the corner just in time to see another police officer getting into the van. Now, here's what's interesting. This wasn't just any police officer. This was a special type of police officer, probably something similar to what we would say is secret service. And that police officer cannot be arrested except by an elite group of which there's only like 30 to 50 in the nation. He had just found three of them having tacos. They arrested the police officer who was in possession of the car and Dave got his car back. He had faith for it. Now, here, here's where the story gets fun. As Paul Harvey would say, now the rest of the story. So Aaron who had helped find the vehicle, a few weeks go by, guess what happens to his van? His van was stolen. Now, I'm talking about faith in a certain area. Guess who he called? He called Dave. He didn't call us again. He called Dave. He said, Dave, my car's been, my van's been stolen. Help me, pray with me. I'm going to believe that just like your van was returned, my van will be returned. And so he goes down a couple days later to the police station, goes into the building, up to a few floors, goes to the office of the person, and he starts to describe his vehicle. And he says, you know, all right, well, what did you have stolen? And again, this wasn't a popular vehicle there so he says it's a you know it's a van he's like well what is what is that what does that look like you know give me help me out he says well and he looks out the window and there is a traffic circle and a road there and he sees a similar looking van driving down the road and into the cemetery he says you know what my it, it looks a lot like he's in fact it looks a lot like that van right there that van is the exact same color, the exact same color. That is my van. And the police officer jumps up from his seat, runs to the window, looks out there, and they watch as the van finishes going around the traffic circle, pulls down the street, and goes into the parking lot of the police station. And another police officer gets out of that freshly stolen van. He says, that's it. And he got his vehicle back. I tell that story because what I want to say is he built up his faith in that area by finding someone who had faith in that area. When we as Christians see a need when the fiery darts of the enemy start coming at us, we can't just say, well, I'm a Christian, it's all a... 
we need to actively water the area of faith that we see will apply to this situation. You say, I'm struggling with my health. Get the Bible out. Start reading scriptures about your health. I tell you what, it is so easy now. Just Google it. Bible verses on health. You will get a whole bunch of YouTube videos. You can just play and it will just, the sound of people reading Bible verses about health. You say, oh, I need Bible verses about, against anxiety. All right. Try it. How many of you have ever Googled Bible verses on and then a topic? I do it all the time. You know, my very pastoral tool once upon a time was the, the Young's Concordance. It's about that thick and it's so big that I have to move the, the dresser, like the library thing. You have to move it up so that it'll be able to fit in there because it's bigger than all the others. You know, and if, if you want to feel macho about a book, that's the book. Okay, it's a big old book. I don't crack that thing anymore. Like, it's decorative now. Because I can find it so fast. And it's right there on your phone. Like get the, find the scripture that applies to the area of faith that you want to build. Water your faith. When you sense that there is a challenge, that's the check engine light coming on. Don't stick tape over it. Say, okay. I'm going to change my oil. I am going to build up my faith in that area. Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. God's word is the life-giving, miracle grow infused water that you and I need so that we in our Christian walk can grow. Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor uh, excuse me, blessed does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners. I have it memorized in a different translation so I'm reading it here. Or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man who in the law, in God's word, meditates day and night. And it says, that person. Who is that person? Which person? The one that meditates day and night on God's promises. That person will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Which what? Yields its fruit in its season. And whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does prospers. And then just in case you had any doubt. He says not so the wicked They are like chaff that the wind blows away. We are called as Christians not just to a one and done, I believe, I'm in. 
vaccinate me against hell, I'm good. But God says, meditate day and night on the Scripture. Strengthen your faith in each and every one of those areas. 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that... When you see a so that in the Bible, you want to find out why. So that. What is it there for? So that everyone may see your progress. How will people see our progress? When we water ourselves with the word. And I was going to add, and when you surround yourself with others who will speak God's word into you, who will model God's word for you. Speaking like, like, like Aaron Kolb and Pastor Dave. You know what? I need a recovered stolen vehicle. I am going to go to you. We're going to pray. And there are, each of us, I hope that the Holy Spirit is showing you ways. He says, you know what? Thank you for all that you have done in this area. But now don't skip leg day. Build your faith in this other area. This attack that the enemy is bringing against you. Build your faith in that area. Find the scriptures that talk about God's promises concerning what is challenging you and then soak in those scriptures and watch and see how you will grow dear heavenly father i just pray your blessing on everyone here lord i know that you desire to increase in so many of our lives in every one of our lives Lord, I just pray that you would use this word to encourage us to soak in your word, to strengthen the, the shield of faith in those areas in our life that the devil is trying to make headway. Lord, I pray that you would steer us to others who will stand in faith with us. I thank you that you love us, and that your word never returns void. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I close today, I want to ask you, if you died today, how many of you know you would spend eternity with God? You know that faith. If you're here today and you saw all those hands up and you went, well, how do they know? The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say you might, you could, you can. It says you will. So if you are here and you do not know where you stand with God, you feel like maybe you backslid, you feel like maybe you've never made that declaration 
If you question your standing with God at all, I want to give you the chance to make it solid now. Know that you have salvation. That's what the scripture says. With everybody's eyes closed, just for a moment, I want to ask you, if that's you, and you want to pray that prayer tonight and know for sure, I want to ask you to raise your hand right now, and we'll do it today. I think that means everybody is already confident that their sins are forgiven. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you love each and every one of us. I thank you that we are all a part of your family. I pray your blessing on them as they leave. And I ask that you would give us, each and every one of us, the opportunity to strengthen someone else's faith as well. In Jesus' name, amen.